Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And welcome to a slightly belated Fortitalian football podcast. We apologise for that. Various people being in different places and different availabilities mean that we've kicked it back a day. And this time you've got me again, but this time I've got Kev instead of Vito. It's just the two of us, <laughs> two of us again. But um, Kev's here instead. How are you? Yeah, much better than yesterday. Obviously, uh, you know, people that follow me on social media won't be surprised that I got a little drunk. And uh, was a little worse aware yesterday, and uh, Stace um, pretty much refused to let me even have an hour nap because um, she she was she was concerned about the quality of the pod in my uh, drunken state. Well, uh, I admire that. That's, <laughs> she's more concerned than we were. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, actually, when when you said yesterday about that, it dawned on me. I don't I don't think I had a drink all weekend. I didn't consume wow. a drop, and it, that wasn't through a conscious effort to do so. I just, I just didn't. Just the way my weekend panned out. But I'll address that next weekend. <laughs> um, reminder for everyone: we are on Patreon, and you can get more podcasts on there. You can get previews, and well, I was going to say Champions League, but they all let us down, so none of that. <laughs> and. Um, there's also Vito does historical articles on there as well. So that's um, patreon.com forward slash Italian football, three different tiers. I think it's two euro, five euro, ten euro. Obviously, different access for what you pay. Uh, this was round 32. We're getting towards it now. We're getting into, once you start delving into the 30s, it all starts to feel properly real. Um, in terms of the results, we got, we kicked off with Empoli nil, Spezia nil. Well done to anyone who watched that. Into two, Verona nil, Cagliari one, Juve two, Genoa one, Lazio four, Napoli two, Fiorentina three. That was the whopper. Sassuolo two, Atalanta one, Venezia one, Udinese two. That's a huge one at the bottom. Roma two, Salernitana one, and Torino nil, AC Milan nil. Another whopper. We're going to start with the place where nearly all the goals were in. Um, in Naples. This was a very fun game of football. I said to Connor on the preview that even though lots of this has written all over it, Napoli slipping up, I felt that they were just getting a bit clinical, but it, it didn't turn out that way. They still scored two goals. They uh, The order of it was Gonzalez gave Fiorentina the lead, didn't they? and then um, was a wonderful equaliser from Dries Mertens, I want to say. A very nice yep. move. Um and then Jonathan Okone scored a very nice finish pretty soon after to make it 2-1. And then Arta Cabral very much announced himself with a very, very nice goal. Osman decided, well, I can't be outdone by another striker on the pitch, so I must now score a fantastic goal. But they couldn't get another one, and they've lost. And now, because of the way it all keeps turning every single week, now they're the ones who it's, they're out, it's over. 
Um, which naturally that's my reaction is to say to you, are they out of the title race? Because that's how it feels every time one of them drops points at the moment. But look at the table. They're still just two points behind Milan after they obviously drew later that day. Um, and that's how weird this whole race is. Do you, do you think this result could feasibly be seen as not a big deal at the end of it all? Um, because of the points difference, I don't think they're out of it. <clears throat> um, he he says that, but I think because of the a couple of years ago when they where they beat Juve and then they got turned over by Fiorentina and that kind of did for their their total challenge. I wonder whether I wonder whether psychologically this will that it's Fiorentina again. It might have a a bigger impact. Um, because certainly mathematically they've they've got every right to think that they're still in this, but there was something a little because I, I thought oh you know the, the narrative's there for Fiorentina to do it again, so I fully expected Napoli to probably sort of trounce them. You know, it's what I find a real shame because I've been to the Maradona for some Champions League nights, and you know and the fans really turn up for that. You know, and they create a wonderful atmosphere and. You don't always get that in Naples. It's it's not a great stadium to get to. Um, you know, if you're trying to get sort of people from out of town, you know, the tourists just to generate a little bit more of a, you know, a, a buzz around the stadium, you don't create that. And then you get these occasions when they're in a total race. You know, I was watching it um, up until the Akone goal on TV. And uh, I thought, wow, it feels like there's a real buzz and atmosphere. And they just they just have this habit of letting the fans down when it sort of comes to these total run-ins. That they, the fans really get behind them. You know, a few few extra thousand flock into the Maradona and then they go and put in a performance like this. You know, we were, we were literally just leaving the house as, as a Coney scored. And they said, oh, do you want to, you know, we, we don't have to go to, the, to, to watch the English game I was going to watch um, that early. Do you want to stop and watch it? I went, no, Napoli are done. I went, I went they, they could score again, but Fiorentina will score. And I was not one bit surprised about an hour later when I checked the score to see that they'd gone 3-1 behind and then sort of just pulled, pulled a goal back. Because it just, it, the, the game watching the first, whatever that was, uh, 66 minutes until Okono score, felt very much like Napoli were going to let their fans down. Not necessarily blow their total chance, but it was one of those games where they're going to drop points here. That's what, for me, was so sort of odd about the performance is that even though they scored twice, they they lacked any sort of bite. You, you know, you didn't feel like they could score at any moment sort of thing. And no, normally you do feel like that. They've got so many incredible attacking players. But and then obviously they're not anymore. But going into this game, they were the best defence based on goals conceded in the league. Um, but... You know, it felt like the roles were reversed on it. It felt like Fiorentina could just score at will. And which element of that do you think is a bit more worrying for Spalletti? The, the fact that they lost a bit of potency or the fact that they looked genuinely quite open at the back? I think probably probably the fact that they looked so open at the back because they, they did have that control at the start of the season. And, and they have it on occasion. But, you know, it was so obvious that Fiorentina would, you know, getting at them so frequently from during that first half. I mean it looked worse because certainly for the for the first hour they looked so flat in attack. You know, it wasn't until Osman got way down the left and cut it back for Mertens when he equalised that they actually looked like they had some attacking threat. But then within six minutes they were behind again and you just thought that will happen again. 
you know, in whichever, as I said before, whatever way the scoring came, you could just see Fiorentina really sort of going at them and thinking, you know, they're, they're just not on it today. And we've got every chance of every chance of winning, even if we do fall behind. I think this would, just to sort of flip to Fiorentina briefly, um, This the three players who scored, they're three players that I sort of have been wanting to do well in terms of the reputation they arrived with um, and what they could feasibly bring to the league and everything. And every time I watch them, it sort of feels like a, a, a few of these players, it's obviously it was Gonzalez, Icona and Cabral, you sort of you get glimpses or the odd goal sort of thing. But this felt like the game where, you know, they, they were really playing well and scoring good goals. And um, I think that's very exciting for them in terms of their Europa League push. We'll talk about that actually instead because they're they're going to go one point off Roma, who are fifth, if, if uh, Fiorentina win their game in hand. I'm not sure off the top of my head who that's against. Um, but, you know, surely you'd think at this point, that takes them fifth. Sixth is a is a European spot of some description. Seventh possibly is as well. No one knows. Um, surely they're going to get some sort of European football, and that that'll be their first since twenty sixteen seventeen. They're in the Europa League. They got to the round of thirty two then, and that's that's got to be exciting to get to to get back into Europe, but also with this crop of quite young players who seem genuinely talented. Yes. Um, in the back of my mind, I keep thinking that if they get back into Europe, it's going to be in this god awful Europa Conference League. Um, no, I love my... it. Don't, don't <laughs> slag off the Conference League; it's fun. Um, <laughs> and United might be in it next year. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose they would have a they would have a, a chance maybe to to win that as well. It is good being in Europe. Um, obviously, that does bring its pressures on the squad. But like you mentioned, they are they are a young group. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I thought Gonzalez started the season well. I, I admit I didn't know too much about Cabral, and he hasn't um, excited me as much as Akone, or has impressed me, let's say, rather than excited me. I think you know, I think Akone's played really well in the games that he's had at Fiorentina so far. So I was quite pleased for him to get his first goal, and uh, as you mentioned earlier, a lovely strike it was. But um, yeah, I think you just hope that they would take any European competition that they got into because it's not going to be the Champions League um, seriously and not not kind of see it just as a bit of a hindrance really um, or that it actually has a negative effect on them next year because you you maybe think that because they are such a young squad and they've, they've had quite a leap from where they were last year just kind of mucking about at the, the lower reaches of the league that they could probably do with another year maybe without European football to kind of build up their their confidence and some um, themselves as sort of a cohesive unit. But, you know, it would be good. You know, they, they've not had it for so long, so I'm sure the fans will, will want them to sneak into those European places. Yeah, it's certainly obviously what they're building towards. It's the natural next step. And I think the Conference League could possibly be quite a nice little way of doing it where they might not have sort of the whole of Italy staring at them sort of thing while they're doing it. They can just go about it. But in terms of, we kind of talked a bit about Fiorentina's goals there, but the goals in general in this game, you know, we keep moaning about the quality of the league and everything. But, and you know, it's not a high quality league right now, but it's very fun. But, like, this, these are five good goals, you know, in, in varying qualities. Um, 
trying to think through the order. And Gonzalez was it, it was a it was by no means an incredible goal, but it was well taken. Um, the equaliser for Napoli was very good, very good sweeping move pulled back, and then the definition of a precision finish from uh, Dries Mertens, and then Iconos was a very nice little finish, and then Cabral's for me was the pick of the bunch, closely followed by Ozyman. Which one are you? Choose if you could only ever watch one of them again. <laughs> Which one I'll, probably t- I'll probably take the Ossimans, but Ossimans one. Although I want to sort of downgrade it just slightly because it it doesn't it has no real impact on the game. You know, it's a consolation goal. Mm. So I think then but you is, sort of maybe go to the Cabral one. Is there but, not enough like individual talent on that goal to, in terms of, I feel like what what I liked about it was that. He is one of these strikers who can literally do anything, like any element of forward play. And I think this was another one where he can just take this ball down on his chest and volley it all at a height that many players can't even reach with their foot. And he's just knocking about up there. Yeah, well, that's the thing because the Cabral one, he, he sort of a little, it's a little bit of a solo run. He's got plenty of time to think about where he needs to move the ball into to, to get the right angle to kill the shot around the goalkeeper. Osamin receives the ball extremely close to goal at an awkward height for, you know, mere mortals and manages to sort of thrash a volley in at a sort of an obscure sort of height as well, you know, to sort of contort his body to, to, to do that. So yeah, that, that is probably why I'm giving it to Osman. But we talked about the quality of the league. It's, it's the collective strength of the teams. I think that's poor. The, the, the league's still full of sort of individual technical quality, capable players and that that's why we get sort of strikes like this and that's why we we still get high quality games when enough of those players are in teams that are facing each other it's it's kind of the middle that sort of middle bout is where you get a little bit of dross which you do in all leagues i'm sure nobody yeah. sits down to watch norwich burnley uh of a weekend in the same way <laughs> they wouldn't sit down to watch salernitana i don't know torino <laughs> sitting there going wow the quality mm. um uh, I, Napoli fans won't like me saying this, but I have to say it and I have to ask it. Could is this feasibly the start of the unraveling? Because, like we said, they're they're not out of it based on this result. But could this be the straw that breaks the camel's back, if you like? Well, it's felt for the last couple of seasons that at, at the the nucleus of of what's probably been. The strength of Napoli for the last few seasons is, you know, is on its way out. You know, Mertens doesn't look like he's staying. Um, you wonder then what that would mean for for Victor Osimhen. Um, Koulibaly's thirty one. Um, it it could not just be like the unravel this season, but unravel over the summer and then being picked apart and almost a bit like we've seen Atalanta sort of fall like a stone. Napoli could find themselves next season battling just to just to get back into Europe. Yeah, the the Osman thing is, I mean, obviously Koulibaly is one of them players who is um, just he's been linked with bigger clubs every single summer for as long as I can remember. Um, I sort of feel like he never will go. But Osman, there, there is kind of a, a school of thought that with. Erling Haaland and Mbappe supposedly on the move this summer or possibly you're going to get that domino effect of transfers. It's going to be strikers and there's a lot of good ones around and you can very quickly see Victor Osman getting pulled into that. 
it'd be big money. Someone has to fork out a hell of a lot of money for him, given what they paid and the fact that he's only improved. You know, you'd think that'd be a hundred million plus deal, but there's a lot of teams that you wouldn't put it past. So I think Napoli might have a bit of a wincing summer potentially of hoping that none of that goes through. I think there's also a lot of teams that haven't got that money. You know, when we're talking about Mbappe moving on, he's 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 almost been forced to run his contract down. Otherwise, nobody could afford to prize him away from PSG. Haaland's got a very, uh, in football terms, affordable buyout clause, which mm. will allow him to leave uh, Dortmund. Um, but people at Osserman's age, with the length of contract he's got, I think probably some clubs might leave him at Napoli just a little bit longer so they could get him slightly more affordable. Affordable, affordably, mm. <laughs> for, for sub a hundred mil mm. bargain. <laughs> um, right, Dominapoli, Inter, they won. They did another win. That's two in a row, which is a very rare thing to say <laughs> in the past three months or whatever. Um, this is a very obvious thing to say. I'm not the first one to say it, but again, you've got to say it. It did feel like watching early season into it, it felt like there was that slight party atmosphere to the way they were playing. There was every cross felt pinpoint, every pass was sharp and that must have been deeply refreshing for their fans. Yeah, there was an element of control. There was an element of smoothness to their play um, against a very capable Verona side. Um, so it, it was exactly what you want with six games remaining now because if they if they can just keep that up for the next few games while others are faltering around them um, they don't have to worry about European football nobody does um, but yeah it, it just it did it did feel like early season into the um, their sort of crisis if you like since what mid-January if you want to call it a crisis um, there's been there's been a lot of players who their performances have just sort of gone off a cliff and in terms of the players who scored in this game um, Nicola Barella got the first it was a very very nice sort of outside of the foot weird volley type thing in the box from uh, Perisic's cross it was it was quite unorthodox but it's not something that's easy to do and then um, Ed Dzeko got the second not particularly long afterwards. In terms of players who need goals, that they are two of them. There's others in the squad. You can almost apply it to a lot, half the squad. But they do need goals. Dzeko in particular, he'd only scored four in 2022, which compared to his early season run where he'd probably, in the first half of the season, he must, have, he must have got, I guess, like 12, 13, something like that. Um, that's not great. Is this going to be the difference for them now? The fact that there's a few players, Lazara had a couple of little goals and then he's obviously suspended for that game. Is this going to be the difference that they've just got a few players who are, who are high quality, who are going to click back into gear just at the right time? Chalinolu's improved slightly as well. There's, you know, Brozovic is back from injury, De is back from injury. Is it just coming together at the right time now? Yeah, I think getting Brozovic back will be, will be quite important. Um, Dzeko, if he can just get that bit of form... You know his his experience to to maybe pop up with you know vital goals, which we've kind of seen other experienced strikers do it. 
um, and then stop doing it when we think about Giroud at Milan because they could have done with something the last couple of games. Um, so yeah, if they can if they can get those those players um, scoring some <laughs> scoring crucial goals, you know, Jacko's wasn't crucial this time, but um, if he just sort of starts a little mini run, it's just because his age, he's not gonna he's not gonna have a full season hitting that that early that early season form that he had before. But if he can now just go on a little mini run, it's just the end of the season. That probably gives players a little bit of a boost, thinking six games and we're done. You know, we're on the beach. So let's just like flog our bodies, even at the ages they are now. And uh, yeah, might just get them over the line. I do, <laughs> even though I tipped Atalanta at the start of the season, I do I do still see this as Inters to win. I just, I just feel there's an inexperience about Milan that we'll see them drop more points. I was, I was going to say to you that a lot of people are now, like you just said, they've firmly swung into the camp of right into a, into a bat now. They beat Juve, albeit they didn't play very well against Juve, but you know, they won. That's what mattered. Um, and now they've had this game against Verona where they have played well and won, and it's another clean sheet. Um, are you definitely in that camp, or do you think it's just a case of, as we've all been doing, just swinging between a different team each weekend, depending on who's dropped points? Yeah, I've never been confident in Milan, I don't think. It, I've always, for the last few weeks, I've said it's theirs to lose, but there's been that that element of distrust in the team, um, that they're going to do something stupid, or they're just not going to do anything at all, like they have in the last couple of games. And... I think, I think Inter being able to get over the line last season will get them over the line this year. The uh, the way the results of well, you know the score lines have fallen does now mean that um, uh, sorry, that's a train of thought. Inter have scored more goals than anyone and conceded less than anyone. They've they've now ticked into that where they've overtaken Napoli in terms of. Um, Conceding the Prince least goals, it's also <laughs> it's also now back in their hands as well, where they've got this game in hand, which we are all desperate for them to get played because I'm fed up with saying with Inter's game in hand instead of just being able to look at the situation properly. But they, if they win that game uh, away at Bologna, they will be a point ahead of Milan, and they'd be three points ahead of Napoli, which is. You know, doesn't sound like a lot, but at this stage of the season, that's quite commanding. Um, they've also got a slightly nicer fixture list than some other teams have. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm very aware that, like I said, we all do keep swinging around, but I, I do think I'm falling into that category now where, you know, they've got the least amount of players out, you'd say, out of all those three teams. None of them are ravaged now, but they have had the best situation injury-wise. Um, in terms of... Alas Verona, are they, you know, sort of like the opposite of what you just said about Jekyll and some of the older players just killing themselves for six games, six games to get over the line? Are they now in that zone where they're, you know, they're they're done? They're, they're, they've kind of mentally checked out for the season. They're not going to climb particularly higher than where they are, if at all, and they're certainly not going to go down. Are they just yeah. going to coast now? Is that part of what happened here? You'd you'd hope not. Because there is a, a faint chance that they could, you know, they're what five or six points behind some European places. 
Um, but you know they've had they've had such a good season. You probably couldn't begrudge them taking their foot off the gas a little bit. Um, I don't know if any of them have got because we've got uh, you know any of their players because we've got uh, World Cup qualifiers, haven't we? At the end of the season, I think if you're in a team, if you're in a team there um, that have got those those World Cup qualifiers, you there's probably a little bit of a saving yourself back for those. But um, yeah, the reality is they're probably not going to uh, climb any higher. So they might drop a few more points now from from here until the end of the season. Yeah, I kind of felt like that that description felt applicable in the first half, but they, they did give it a genuine go in the second half in the sense that um, there's just a few times in the last 15, 20 minutes where I thought they could genuinely nick a goal there and suddenly we're looking at a completely different game of football, but it wasn't to be. Inter were able to defend, and that is something that both Torino and AC Milan were able to do too well, <laughs> to the extent where we got another nil-nil draw for AC Milan, and what's depressing for them is that this was quite predictable, wasn't it? This is exactly what they feared coming into this game. It was awful. It was... It was, wasn't it? <laughs> it was an astonishingly bad game of football. I think it went on for um, two and a half hours. And you had, I think the, you know, Man- uh, Mike Mannion had to save them, you know, made sort of a, a one-hand save from, I'm not even going to sh- try and remember who it was. Milan's attempts were soft. Torino's attempts on goal were soft. And actually... I think the the most damning thing about it was if you were to pull somebody off the street, watch that game, and say which one of these is top of the league, they wouldn't have been able to tell you, because they were stay they they were so evenly matched on the night that it 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 it, it, it wouldn't have filled you with any sort of confidence as a as a Milan fan. Not coming off the back of a you know a nil nil at Bologna because you, you know you want to see some some sort of reaction. And it wasn't that, you know, it was backs to the wall from Torino and Milan were peppering their goal. It was, it was, it was tepid. It was, a, it was a terrible, terrible game of football and a terrible, terrible performance from Milan. And um, these two games back to back, if they don't go on and, and you know, particularly if Inter go on and win the title, um, these are the ones in the running that you're gonna, you're gonna sort of point out and go, that just wasn't good enough. For the last sort of ten, fifteen minutes of the game, if I was the imaginary person you dragged in, I'd have felt like Torino with a with a higher team yeah. in the sense that, again, like I say, that there wasn't anything to oh, there's a clear cut chance for on goal or whatever. But they had more of the ball. I just think they carried a bit more of a threat. Um, I'm going to make an excuse for Milan here. You can tell me if you think this is just crap. But after that nil nil draw, Bologna is away at Torino exactly the game you don't want other than obviously a game against a fellow title rival well they are a little bit more robust than they have been previously you know they've done they've done really well under Zurich this year Torino um, there, there are some in that sort of category you know Verona might have been one away to Verona is a sort of similar sort of mm-hmm. game where you could see Milan going and and, and drawing Um you know, but, but Torino, you know, uh, they're the fifth best defence in the league. 
which is kind of what I'm getting at. That they are, you, you, you don't want this game really <laughs> when, when, when you've identified a problem, which is we're struggling to get the ball in the back of the net. This, this is you a want tough a, you want a Exactly. You, you know, you, you want either somebody right down there, or not. Normally, I would say someone in Torino's position where they're not going to go up or down. But the difficulty with Torino is that they have to be a team in that position who are who pride themselves <laughs> on um, on defending, which but, you know. Yeah. But but on you know on paper, you should be saying you're playing a team in eleventh. You're playing yeah. a team thirty points behind you. You know there is a reason why you are thirty points ahead of them, and then you go out and you give a performance like that. It wasn't. You know, because that's the thing. It's like, oh, if this had been if this had been Milan absolutely dominating and creating chance after chance after chance, you would have gone, oh yeah, fair enough, hands up, Torino, fifth best defence in the league. They've done what they've been doing this season. They've been really, really sort of resolute at the back and Milan just didn't get the rubber, the green, when it came to, you know, the odd something bouncing off someone's arse and going in or whatever. But it was, it, it had, you know, you have to look at just how poor they were in actually putting any pressure on the, the Torino defence because they let Torino have a you know have a sort of an easy game really. And that's that's the worst part is when you see your team, if you're a if you're a Milan fan, not really putting any pressure on the opposition. You can kind of you can you can you can allow where it just hasn't been your day but not shit uh, terrible performances. <laughs> I always forget which way around it is if we're allowed to swear on this one or I Patreon. Remember. I think we're not meant to on this one. So well done, you caught yourself. We, we apologise for the language. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, talking of Milan and pressure, um, this does seem to be a thing that they've they've got now, which is a lack of goals. And this is a horrible time for this time. I always feel like this is a harder thing to change. Is it when you're a coach? This is almost something that you can't do a great deal about. Because they've not they've not changed the way they're playing and they were scoring goals before, and now it's just not going in, and that must be really annoying for, for Pioli at the side. Can can he change this quick enough? I'm not sure, um, which isn't a good answer. <laughs> no, it's, it's not an easy question to be fair to. <laughs> um, I kind of felt they've 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 swung between relying on individual brilliance of say Rafa Liao. I remember a game against Sampdoria. I think he scored the only goal of the game. Or the experience of an Olivier Giroud to not necessarily get the winner, but get a crucial goal at a crucial point in the game. I think there's been a couple where he's maybe got the first goal of a win and it's come sort of around sort of 65, 70-minute mark where the pressure starts building on yourselves to try and you know get a goal and then you maybe you're thrashing at chances because you can see this sort of clock going down and and it, it it's been less about sort of all-round team play whereas if Milan built more of their goals through you know you, you kind of see signature signature plays from teams sometimes um so yeah it, he, he is going to rely on one of those one of those individuals coming into some form to sort of wrestle some points away from teams. Yeah, the in terms of the attackers, it is all quite damning. Carlo Gorgonese on Twitter has quite usefully compiled some stats. They've got three goals in their last six games, which is 
not very good. Giroud hasn't scored in a month. Zlatan's got one goal in 2022. Rafael Leal hasn't scored for six weeks. Salamakas has one goal all season. And Brahim Diaz hasn't scored since September. So, uh, who else is left? Rebic, he's not on Carlo's list. But, I mean, you know, we we all know he's not scored 25. (laughs) I I quite like Rebic, but I don't think he's the person you're depending on to get goals. I would have had him ahead of Salamakas because I I don't see the point of that individual in this... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know what you mean, but he seems to play nearly every week, doesn't he? There's, he must serve some sort of functional purpose that us mere mortals can't see. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think he's at the required quality to be playing sort of with a side with title and Champions League aspirations. I don't, you know, quite often there's, you know, you can think of several players. Well, I can't because that's why I'm struggling. Um, that you know, <laughs> that, do a, that do a job, and you know, you, you but you see what they're doing, but. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be looking at Salamakas for for goals. Um, yeah, maybe Carlo just put him in there to to wind me and fans up. Well, I suppose he keeps playing, doesn't he? So he's got to be. He keeps playing, and he's he's up the pitch. Um, their fixtures as well. Now, I, I did hear someone say that this might help them. That they seem to be better against better teams, but they've got home to Genoa, which, like we were saying before, that's what you want. Right. <laughs> that's that's more like what you're after. But then away to Lazio, home to Fiorentina, away at Verona, home to Atalanta, and away at Sassuolo. That's not that's not great reading, is it? Well, the thing is, all those games you read them, I can see them dropping points in all. But well, I'll probably until Genoa got smashed by Lazio, I would have seen them dropping points there as mm. well. Although they are at home against Genoa. Um, that that comes next, I think, is where you want them to to sort of pick up some momentum. They could really do with sort of doing what Lazio did, hitting three or four goals past Genoa, and then going into the Lazio game with a bit more confidence because Lazio have got lots to play for, and uh, it's going to be in Rome. So yeah, they will drop more points. Um, sorry, Milan fans, but I think you've blown. <laughs> Yeah, three three four nil win would be perfect there for what you want. But you know, it's Genoa aren't good, but they're a team who are really fighting for something, and they're not going to roll over. You'd think, you don't know it, but you'd you'd like to think. Um, I want to talk about Bremer a little bit. We all know he's good; it's not a secret anymore. But he was really good, <laughs> like properly good. Yeah, and he's been linked. With a side close to my heart, although I don't know if we need any more centre centre halves. I think we, I think we're all right in that department, but um, he certainly I, he's one. I suppose somebody can prize away from Torino this summer. Um, you know, you, you think he must have a good couple of years on Koulibaly. Napoli would be a step up for him if they were looking for sort of a replacement or somebody to play alongside him. You know, why not? You know, the they're not they're not shopping outside of CAA, so it's a market that they can probably afford to to, to shop in Napoli. Um, well, the... Tell me how old he is. <laughs> I am. He's he's uh, he's twenty five. He's twenty five. So so he's everything you want almost. He, he the, the suggestions um, based on news that I have to write for other stuff linked to 
into is that sort of 25 to 30 mil as it stands is about what three and a half to eight. Obviously, he, he just signed a new deal, but that was very much on the basis of so he doesn't okay, run so, it down or go yeah. completely cheap. It, it wasn't a he's going to stay for four years now or anything like that. It was a we're protecting your value, but we, we will say yes to a bit of around this much. Um, Inter supposedly have got the deal done with him personally. It's just a question of buying him, which is a big question, um, especially with their complicated finance situation. But there's a hell of a lot of teams, like you just said, all, all over Europe who are after him. For me, he falls under that bracket of someone who, like, he is going to move this summer, but it would be a shame if he went out of the league. I think that that would point to a trend that has developed over the past few years. Yeah, I think he's of an age where he can afford to get one more move within Italy, you know, a league that he knows, and maybe to someone where he thinks he's going to win a trophy or at least challenge for trophies, or maybe get, you know, just, just maybe, you know, I, I threw Napoli in there, um, not having your knowledge on the uh, the Inter deal. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, you know, I think you'd find that appealing if it was Champions League football. You know, he's not going to be going to Napoli thinking that he's going to win the league next season, but Champions League football is then another shop window because then if he stays in Italy for another two or three seasons at 28, that would probably would be when a club could probably cash in at an even bigger price if he continues his trajectory. Um, but then also you might you might find clubs outside of Italy that think, well, if we take him now at 25, then we're not going to pay that premium if he continues his ascent with uh, an interior. We're then going to you know, probably do like they did with Hakimi and whatnot and sell him on for double, the, double what they pay for him. It would be very fascinating if we had a Summer World Cup. If if he were to be taken by Brazil to said World Cup and then did well, <laughs> that would be really interesting because then, then you'd get this almighty storm. I was going to put a different word before storm there, but as, as we've worked out, we're not going to swear on this one. <laughs> well, this is this is going to be the interesting thing, maybe about the the summer transfer window. When some of those players that are in his his situation, quite young, quite settled where they are, um, getting looked at by their national teams that are going to a World Cup, that maybe think, if I move to Napoli now, struggle to settle, move to Inter now, struggle to sort of break into what is a, a relatively settled defensive line. Is that going to affect my prospects of going to a World Cup, which is only going to be what we're talking two or three months away after the the summer transfer window closes? So there might be a few that stay put just for that reason alone, because they, they they're young enough and they've got this long contract, and Torino would still make plenty of money if he stuck out one more year there. Yeah, definitely. Um, right, we're going to move on to the other bits of the league. We've very much been top focused there, but. You know, it's round 32, that's what you do. Um, there was no Serie A for action this weekend, in case anybody wanted to hear about that, because there just wasn't any. It was an international break. <laughs> but that's also coming to its crescendo. That's even further along. They've only got, I think it's four games left now. Um, but elsewhere in the men's, we'll start with, we'll go chronologically, shall we? So Empoli Spezia. Now, I mean... There's not a great deal to say about this. It's an acceptable result for them both. Probably a case of 
best not to lose than anything, surely. Yeah, I, I watched this and I have a, a two-word summary written down, which was nothing oh, happened. Right. Oh, excellent. <laughs> That's oh. all I put. I mean, literally, nothing happened. I came away after 90 minutes and I was like, oh, nothing happened. I haven't written anything down on my notepad. Um, what, what led you to watch the whole of that out of interest? Um, what did I didn't watch it live, and I didn't know uh, the score. I didn't know the score, but it had recorded, uh, and I woke up earlier than everybody else and sat down and thought, <laughs> "Oh, let's let's watch this." Um, and not necessarily wished I hadn't because I was doing other stuff, but it was like, "Oh, yeah, yes, nothing, nothing happened." I think it's the sort of game with it being quite being quite big at the bottom. If you happen to come across it on the TV guide, I'd. I'd watch a bit, but it would very much depend on what else was going on and what I was doing during the day. But they're, they're both in a situation now where you'd think they are, you'd think there's three teams worse than them, and there's certainly a decent points gap, I think. Despite very bad form, I think Empley just done enough earlier in the season, and they've very much switched off from about January onwards. Um, I think they've still not won, I think it's, it was, it was late November, I think, their last Serie A win. I think I had to write it on. Because so, they, they beat Napoli and then checked out, basically. I think they, they were around like ninth around then. And then um, yeah. that was that. <laughs> I know Connor was and, keen uh, for them to drop like a stone into the relegation places, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Yeah, he doesn't like their ground, does he? I think a lot of people are in that boat. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a team near him. You must really not like it, actually, because that they are not that far away. Oh, it's a pain to get to. That's true. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I, I looked into traveling. <laughs> yeah, I looked into going there when I was staying with Connor earlier in the season, and it was a nightmare. So I binned <laughs> it off. Um, right, Calgary. They are in trouble. Not that they were necessarily meant to win this, but they lost 2-1 to you, though. They were ahead until, uh, when was it? You guys were first half, actually, wasn't it? But then yeah, they uh, were going to get time. a point until uh, Blavich got the winner with just under 10 minutes left. And Yeah. I, I, actually, I actually watched this and thought... I was, I've not been impressed with Juventus for a long time. Um... And the first half was kind of very poor. Um, Calorie deserved their lead, but then kind of just sort of retreated into their own sort of shell, if not their own box. Um, and the second half, you just thought the goal's coming for Juve. There was, there was something very old Juventus. That again, I've said control probably far too much on this podcast, but they actually looked like there was a determination and a direction about what they were doing and although they got very very lucky because Vlaovic was tackled essentially and it just happened to sort of deflect off of his foot um, somewhat fortuitously and uh, and give them the win but yeah there was the first signs of <laughs> first signs of life of the old Juventus in a, in a way for me anyway Maybe it's freed them up a bit mentally now that they do just think, yeah, we're not going to win the title. So let's just plough everything into that fourth spot and I'd be amazed if they don't finish fourth now. Yeah. Um, so Swallow beat Atalanta 2-1. Atalanta's woes 
and stuttering seems to be continuing, but I feel like there's only one thing to talk about for this game, and it's Hamadraro, because he is having some season, particularly the second half of the season. Yeah, and that first goal, there was a, again, well, I suppose lots of goals have an element of luck. He just he just thrashes at it, and it sort of completely hits just like the inside it, angle. Yeah, uh, you know, it was a bit like the Ottoman one where he takes it down at a kind of an awkward position, you know, not lot, not very much time to sort of think about it. And as the ball's kind of rising up, he just sort of manages to smash a volley. And then his um, his next sort of solo goal was was equally as, as nice, maybe not as technically difficult. And um, yeah, he seems like a real talent. When they've obviously, they lost Jeremy Boga to Atalanta. And Traore seems to have taken up that mantle of, sort of cutting in from the left and being a real sort of goal threat for Sassuolo. I think it's fascinating the way that maybe I've just not seen enough of him in the past, but I feel like his game has changed in the second half of the season where I see him running with the ball for a, mm. for a large, you know, a, a long distance in the way that Jeremy Bogger does. And I, I don't feel like he used to do that. He more just used to pick it up, lay it off, pick it up, lay it off. In a in a forward area and occasionally score, but now he, he just seems to be all action. Now he seems to be doing everything. Yeah, driving forwards, uh, certainly getting getting the um, fruits of his labour. <laughs> if, if I knew enough about stats, I could probably find something to back that up. Maybe if if I get really bored at some point in the next week, maybe I'll do the, something to do with progressive dribbles or something like that <laughs> from the yeah. first half of the season to, to the second. Um, Venezia, they lost again. This time to Udinese, a late goal once again. They're just the absolute kings of conceding late goals. Um, we said, I can finally stop talking about this run of three games now where we said, who was it? This one, Samp and Spezia, wasn't it? We said they've got to win at least two of them if they're going to stay up. They, they, they've lost all three. They done? <laughs> yeah, they they probably are done. Um, what I found most interesting because I sort of I started watching this and I thought, are they? And I thought, are they playing in the same kits they wore at Udine, even though Udine must have been at home? I was thinking, why is it? I think because I remember the first game, Udinese wearing that that sort of aqua aquamarine sort of shirt mm. I kind of thought this was then in Udinese and then I sort of Venezia rocked up in, and they were at home and I thought that's got to be that's got to be one of the first times that a side's won worn it's away kit for no reason uh, in both sort of ties in the same season um, <laughs> again if you've if you've if you know if you're not busy and you've got time to look up that as a stat as well, well then add it to your list area, try, right. <laughs> um but no, sadly they are down. Um, Henry, Henri, uh, however you want to pronounce it, um, I will admit I have no idea who he's attached to and if he's not attached to Venezia permanently. I think he might stay um, in Syria this following season. But at the moment, it looks like the only one of them that will be staying in the league. Um but yeah, it's 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 a shame because it's quirky. You know, for for fans that are maybe in, even those that are coming up to Syria, it's a it's a quirky little ground to get to. I saw a video of some Samp fans on one of the um, 
the water taxis all with their flags you know going across from uh venice train station and if and it's just a weird, fun little ground, and it's nice to have those in where, as opposed to we were discussing earlier, Empoli, which is just a really difficult place to get to, not particularly thrilling as a location to go to. Although Tuscany is very nice, um, but yeah, so it'll be sad. It'll be sad to lose them, but I'm so I'm glad I sort of ticked it off this season. Um, but you just never really know when whether these sides are going to sort of bounce back up again. There sort of seems to be less of that in Italian football. Yeah, there's a lot more sinkability. I, I can't quite fully join in with the Empoli bashing because I've been through on the train. I didn't get off the train. And I, I can't say I noticed a great deal. No. <laughs> it just seemed to be some waste ground either side of the station. Um, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a nice bit. Everywhere's got at least one little nice bit in Italy. Um, what we got next? Roma. Your this lot. was fun. I enjoyed this. <laughs> Well, to be fair, we have to we have to give um, Selena Sana their dues. Where the goal from Radovanovic to open it up was a rocket. That was a wonderful goal. Yeah, I I've got a feeling I saw him score one of those before, either for Genoa or I'm going to say Verona. He's certainly at Genoa. I think Ivan Juric took him to a couple of places. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely spanked it. And uh, <laughs> Patricio had absolutely no chance. And then, you know, equally aesthetically pleasing strike from Carlos Perez um, got them into, a, got them got them level. And then you really got to think, I would find any defence that allows a free kick to land at the feet of somebody in a box for the small in for the small in the, the feet of Chris Smalling. Yeah, <laughs> you know any corner kick or free kick that uh, evades six or seven defensive players, I would I'd probably find the entire team actually. Um, you should you should you should not the ball should not be landing at first opportunity to someone's foot. You'd almost yeah. think the Southern Tower players haven't don't remember the winning goal that he scored against City in twenty eighteen or nineteen, whatever it was, that comeback. It was a very similar goal to that. He just got swung in and he just sort of ghosted in and gave it a little little half volley or volley, whatever it was. Um and it, it was very nicely taken. As well as after that, even though that's quite late on, it they, they should have got another couple, really. Um the the but, tide had very much turned. But from the highlights I saw, Salernitana actually did gave gave Roma a bit of a scare. Patricio was forced to sort of make a, a few saves. Um, I don't know if that you know was a, a fair reflection of the balance of the ninety minutes. But from the highlights, they looked like they 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 could have been out of sight because Roma got their got their two goals quite late in the game. But they, you know, like you say, they did have that chance at the end to get another. I think it was from Shimonovdolov. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, no, Salentano. It was it was definitely one of their better, one of their better, if not best, performance of the season. Um, because there was a chance when it was still one nil, and I've not. I only saw the game rather than I didn't see the highlights, but um, I can't remember exactly who it was now but it must have been in the highlights. It was quite a good save from Patricia, pretty point blank. And you know, that would have made it 2-0 at 
relatively far into the second half. And from there, it's much harder to imagine Roma clawing it back. But they did. And due to how we're such finger-on-the-pulse journalists over here, I can now tell you that the 10th result <laughs> is Bologna 2, Sampdoria 0, which has just finished. Because <laughs> wow. we're recording on, on our Monday night. I don't know what that is for people listening in Canada well, or America that... or anywhere, Australia. Yeah, that's... Um... Oh, it was at Bologna, though, wasn't it? So maybe yeah. not, you know, two evenly contested sides. Um, can't talk you through the goals. I didn't see them. Um, <laughs> I can I, tell I, you, Arnautovic got them both in the second. Ah, oh, my 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 friend, my friend Arnautovic. So uh, yeah. yeah, probably collecting the ball edge of the box, spinning and scoring. Um, if uh, that's correct, I'm going to go and pop some money on the lottery at the weekend. Might be two um, overhead kicks from the halfway line for a winner, and we just mm. not talked about it. <laughs> yeah. but, um, that is all from us. A reminder: well, Patreon.com. Oh, you got you something missed, else. You, you, you missed Genoa Lazio. We completely missed Genoa Lazio. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's about that's that's the fourth one on my list. I got all the way down to. <laughs> I, I didn't even leave it off the bottom. <laughs> I thought you were all just right. neatly segueing from Roma to Lazio. Because obviously they are very close. I, I spoke all excitedly about Roma and then just completely ignored him up scoring a hat trick for Lazio. Yeah. <laughs> well, I promise <laughs> that wasn't on purpose, that was just forgetfulness. But yes, yeah, so Mobley did score a hat trick, and that should be talked about because he's brilliant and he did a hat trick. Yeah, yeah. I, the thing is, I, I, I don't find that surprising. What I find surprising was just how Genoa collapsed after being, you know, so sort of good the last few weeks. I know there's been, you know, not not at one end of the pitch, but defensively they've been quite sound. And um, they did pull a goal back, did they? No, they didn't. They Because uh, they went two down before they... Yeah, they went three down, actually. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm questioning myself. Point? <laughs> I did watch it. No, no, no. Just, just, I, I, was, I was just a little bit surprised because I think... For any any Genoa fans out there with faint hopes that they were going to be able to pull themselves back, they you you wanted to see that sort of defensive solidity sort of continue, and they fell apart. And they've got they've got quite a quite a tough running, and I think if the you know they only need to fall apart once or twice in the next couple of games, and it's really out of sight for them. So um, I think it probably you probably had supporters leaving the stadium thinking that's us done. Um, sadly, because you know, Jenner is one of those places that's nice to go and watch football and it's nice to have the derby. Um, I know Vito, if he was here, wouldn't be saying that, he'd love them to be going down. But, um, yeah, I think you, you lose something if you don't get the um, the derby della lanterna, and also, you know, coming off of our first full season with fans back in the stadium because I think you know, these where, where you've got. Uh, the struggle at points in the season in places in Italy to get sort of full fans in the stadium. The ones that really do light up the league, even if the football's low on quality, it's a shame to lose them. Yeah, it definitely would be. I, this isn't based on a lot, I must say, other than that I think they've got quite a talented young coach there who has, while he's not obviously completely rejuvenated them and made them safe, he has settled it down. And there is just, there's there's some clear ideas there, and I can't imagine a world where it doesn't seem like the sort of situation where he'd be sacked if they go down. 
I, I can imagine them, you know, they're, I feel like they're a slightly more secure club than some others. Um, they could feasibly come back up quite quickly. I imagine if, if things go the right way in the transfer market, etc. Which would be nice because, like you say, that you know you, you never want to lose derbies, and especially not that one. Um, that is now it. There's no more hidden results. You know, no. I, I got so excited by giving a live Bologna reaction that I completely ignored a five-goal game <laughs> that, that contained a hat trick. But well done to Chiro Mobile and well done to Lazio. Um, so patreon.com forward slash Fox Italian Football. Like I was saying, other stuff, other podcasts. Generally, more things that you can get, more access. It's great. Go and do that. Two euro, five euro, ten euro. That is it for us. There'll be. Have we got games next weekend? We must do. There's no more international breaks. It's Easter. We have the awful proposition oh, of, of nothing on Sunday, but two big games on Monday. Well, it's, at least, it's at least Roma Atalanta on Monday. I think there's um, two games on. Sunday or no, uh, no games. Slowly, on Easter Sunday, <laughs> never any games in Italy on Easter Sunday. But you've got two or three on Friday night. There's a couple on Saturday, and then there's a couple on. So we will be waiting by our phones to hear when Mister Clancy wants us to record the pod, dependent on his busy social calendar. <laughs> well, I'd like to think his social calendar is. Settled down by now, but who knows? <laughs> Somebody else might appear. So I'm trying, trying, trying to make sense of this. So it's two games on Friday, eight six. On, sorry, six on Saturday, two on then, Monday. Yeah, they get good ones on Monday, I must say. Um, yes. Well, so I imagine we go on be, Monday. Yeah, that's yeah, good point. Yeah, that's that's what's relevant to the people listening to this rambling. Is that the pod will be Monday again? <laughs> Yes, you'd, you'd think it's got to be in it, Napoli Rome. It's got to be right. I promise we'll go now. We'll leave you all alone. Say goodbye, Kev. Goodbye, everybody, and goodbye from me. Lo sai per un gol. Yo daré la vita, la mia vita. In fondo lo so. Sarà una partita infinita. Un sogno che ho, è un coro che sale a sognare sul Giuliano, 90 minuti per segnare nero azzurri, noi saremo qui nero azzurri, pazzi come te nero azzurri, non fateci soffrire.